How's it going, guys? Welcome to the first episode of the Mirror Driving Podcast. I am your host, Brayson, with my co-host, Evan. Let's get it, boys. Right, this is going to be a racing, mostly podcast, but today we're only going to focus on NASCAR. We have quite a bit of news to go over. Um, then we have a couple other segments for later on. Let's get started with the news first off. Evan, how are you doing today? I'm doing beautiful today. I'm watching some football right now. Let's get ready for the regular season. So, what game are you watching? Watching the Jaguars and the Saints right now. Oh, interesting. All right. So, we've talked about doing this for a long time. I'm really excited. Let's get into the news. Starting it off with something not very surprising. Corey LaJoy was given a playoff waiver for having to miss the race at Michigan due to COVID protocols. Um, I don't think really anyone should be surprised that he got given a waiver. That was pretty expected, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so not much to say there. Second thing, Josh Berry going full-time with Junior Motorsports next year. It's honestly really interesting. They didn't provide like a number or even like a crew chief combination or any sponsors. I know now Tire Pros has signed on, but what do you think this means for Junior Motorsports next year? I think it honestly means a lot. Like, I don't know whether you be living as a four-car team or expecting them to come as a five-car team next season. Uh, certainly, I love that Dale Jr. has obviously been open about wanting to keep open to making a five-car team. There's obviously, you know, a lot of chips have to be put into place for sponsorships and crew chiefs and other contracts to keep up with. You know, sometimes it might be achievable. Sometimes it might look like it's not achievable. But, you know, after the run he's had this year, not just at, at uh, Martinsville, but, you know, Michigan this weekend, uh, obviously not Atlanta. We don't know how that race ended up. Um, I was not very surprised. But I was very surprised to see him drive a when I when I saw him drive the Chevrolet sponsored car to Victory Lane at Martinsville. I figured you know that he would bring some amount of sponsorship, but not you know enough to have a full signed on ride next year. I mean, it might not be signed on. Just assuming that, but obviously he's got enough money to where he can run a full season. So right now, we only know of Sam Mayer and Josh Berry running for Junior Motorsports. Sports. Gregson, Allgaier, and Annette are all up in the air. you got to assume Allgaier is safe to return. And Annette, as long as he has funding and he wants to race, I can't really see them turning him away. With his whole broken leg situation, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he just doesn't retire, or if he doesn't return and just retires. But And Gregson, I am not confident he'll be returning to Junior Motorsports next year. Yeah, you know, you saw uh, Bob Cockris ask him a question in press conference. And I don't think he had no comment on that situation. After Bob asked it, you just see in his body language that, you know, he was not very comfortable with, with, with talking about that. So, I mean, it's just one of those very gray areas right now where you just have no idea what to expect from that organization at this moment. There's also quite a few fun theories for there, but who could be in a Gene Rush ride? But we'll save that for another time. Uh, moving on, Landon Castle has been announced to run both of the upcoming plate races in the Cup Series for the Gaunt Brothers. Uh, I'm a huge Landon Castle fan, so I love seeing that. But I'm pretty surprised it's not Ty Dillon getting the charge. Yeah, I'm sure, uh, obviously, Ty doesn't bring a lot of sponsorship dollars. You know, Landon, with his genius marketing that he has, I'm sure he's bringing a lot more than Ty, so that's why they... Just decided to go with him instead. Uh, Langdon has actually been proven or proved to actually be quite a great uh, super speedway racer. Uh, well, can't say restricted play because it's not restricted play, but you know, but Talladega and Daytona, where the draft is, and 
the pack is just so packed up. You know, it's just he's proven to be because he had, I believe he had like a second or third at, at Talladega back uh, 2014, I it was in the fall race. I think it was a fourth. Fourth somewhere. It was top five somewhere because he pushed uh, driving the old Hill. 40 car. 40 car with like no sponsorship at all. He had one sponsor at the time. So, I mean, he's proven that he can race in that, uh, those tracks, which is obviously, you know, hasn't, hasn't shown he can race in a paid car the full season. But, you know, obviously this could be a big opportunity for him and, and the Gunn Brothers to actually, you know, run great, get some TV time, try to bring in more sponsorship dollars. You know, obviously, if they don't get sent home with the DNQ, I mean, obviously, we don't know how it's a couple weeks out other than this weekend. Uh, Todd is a couple weeks out, which I know it's going to be 40, it's going to be 41. I think it's a humble what, but it should be very interesting to see what he can do in that car. I also think this is probably the best chance he's had in a cup race. I know he ran full time for front row a few years back, but Toyota's been pretty stout in the plate races. Um, moving on, Eric Jones and Rich Petty Motorsports announced an extension to that sees Eric Jones in the 43 for at least next year, but I think it's a multi-year agreement. Um, I'm pretty surprised. Uh, nothing against Eric Jones, big fan. I'm really surprised Rich Petty Motorsports doesn't go for like a pay driver to help pay the bills because their future has been up in the air for, it feels like every year, for like the last decade. And they keep going to the guys who don't really bring a lot of funding. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, obviously, you know, last year was a whole different scenario with Bubba Wallace, you know, getting as much TV time as he could get, uh, which obviously he didn't bring a lot of sponsorship dollars until the end of the year or going through the end of the year, coming toward the start of the year where he was already signed on to 2311 racing. Um, but I was, I wasn't very, I wasn't that surprised to see him resign with Richard Payne Motorsports because I've, he's had some very good runs this year. You know, because obviously that car is not top 10. It's not a top 10 car. It's obviously probably like a top 20 to top 15-ish, somewhere in there. That's on a good day. But, you know, obviously Eric has been proven to winning at Darlington and, you know, holding up the field at Daytona to win. Um, yeah, I was, I mean, I'm not very surprised at all. I believe it is a multi-season deal with an option. I don't know if it's a driver option or if it's a team option. I would assume it's a team option. But um, yeah, I would not wouldn't surprise me at all to see him stay there for not just this year, but a couple more years in the future as well. Yeah, uh, really have Eric Jones. Uh, definitely a good situation for him. Uh, moving on, Emmett Smith and Jesse Awuji announce a partnership and starting an Xfinity team for next year. I don't actually know if there's too many details about the team, whether like what manufacturer they'll be running for. Um, I personally don't have high hopes for this team. Nothing to do with the driver. It's just the ownership situation. We've seen former NFL players start a team before, and it doesn't really feel like they usually last, like the Hall of Fame racing. So I'd honestly be surprised to see this team actually hit the grid. What about you? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see them hit the grid. I would be surprised to see them, you know, compete for top 20s on the grid. Because uh, obviously Jesse Woody does not have the best track record, but obviously, you know, that's just... Saying he might not be in the best, might not be in good equipment. He might not be be put in a situation where he can actually go out there and achieve top 15s, top 10s. So, you know, obviously, I believe in this team to be able to make probably 
three or four top 15s a year. But then again, you also don't know what manufacturing support they'll get for uh, who will be running the team, who will be the creatures in the team. There's also Jesse, which has never been a owner driver, I do not believe. So this will be something different for him. But we are, like you said, we are seeing a lot of more sports personalities getting into NASCAR. You also got Michael Jordan, 23 11 racing. You got Alvin Kamara becoming an ambassador for the sport, which is crazy in itself to believe. Um, yeah, I believe there's, I mean, obviously, you did mention, you know, Hall of Fame racing, and then you had. Brett Farley in a couple years ago, like well, more than just a couple years ago, but uh, Denny and Dan Marino. Yeah, back in the nineties. That did not work out as, at all. Um, Which is one of my fears for this new team. Yeah, but if they if they can just be consistent enough to be able to make top fifteens or top twenty, top fifteens, you know, they should be. That should be the bar for them. They should, or this coming year as they get ready. Um, he should be a lock for the most popular driver award too. Uh, moving on, uh, it was announced by Adam Stern. Not really announced, but apparently the Cup Series has been in talks with Gateway or Worldwide Technology Raceway to field a Cup race for next year for 2022. Um, man, I honestly am not the biggest fan of Gateway. They don't put on fantastic racing in anything, IndyCar, trucks. Um, I hope someone pays the light bill for that race, though. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was obviously there's been IndyCar usually puts on a great show at a Gateway. I mean, sometimes it might be a snooze fest. Sometimes, it, most of the time, it's usually good. Like obviously, have with this last Saturday night and in the past couple of years, it's been a pretty good race. Um, but with the Cup Series, you know, obviously, they are just venturing out within the last two years since Steve Phelps has taken over. <clears throat> And, uh, you know, I believe they're just trying to get to any market they can at the moment. Obviously, you know, with, with the tickets, dra- tickets dropping and uh, ratings dropping and obviously all marketing is just dropping. They're just trying to get to any market that they can. And obviously Gateway in the St. Louis region, that's a market where they already have Kansas Speedway, which is, I believe it's probably five six hours away from, from st louis it's winter that's not too i'm not i'm from tennessee so i have no idea but uh i was figured that they would go more to the middle east-ish or middle or middle east middle of the middle east i don't think i have yeah. to say place right now buddy yeah uh obviously like you know colorado nebraska or somewhere in that region um uh, yeah i don't know i'd be surprised to see Obviously, we can just turn the, our consoles on and go race on NASCAR Five Gateway, but also that's not going to be like the real show either. So I mean, just be some, be something exciting to see. Uh, hopefully, if it does put on a good race, if it does happen next year, that they will more likely go back to it. But obviously, if it doesn't, then you know, hopefully, just giving it a one-year option, uh, and then just going from there, just see what happens. Yep, and for the final piece of news, I have nothing to add on to that, by the way. You did a great job. For the final piece of news uh, for the week or so far, uh, we don't really need to go too deep into this because there's not really much to say. Christopher Bell tested the next-gen car at Bristol. 
Twitter was in an uproar because of the engine sound. It was a tire test. Of course, it looked slow. Like, they never really looked fast in those. I think everyone was... I don't know. It was a, a, a shoddy video from the stands. Like, it didn't really show much. What do you expect to see from Bristol, you know? Yeah. Plus, too, with it being just a tire test, they didn't put the the sticky stuff down. Um, so, I said that will change the way that the car drives at the track a lot. Um... I wouldn't expect them to put it down for just a tire test. Obviously, you got them going back, going back to Bristol within the month. So I don't know if they're going to do a manufacturing test after the race uh, with the sticky stuff on the track just to see where that goes. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, would be very, would be very interesting to see how they how multiple cars handle out with a couple of them driving the top, a couple of them driving the bottom. You know, might even pull up Kyle Larson try to go through the middle like he did at Darlington earlier in the year. Um, wouldn't that be surprising at all? But I believe it'll be. It, the engine sound did sound beautiful. Obviously, you got I believe both pipes coming out to the either side of the car, not just on one side like it used to be, on the, or at least it is on the current car. Um, it'll be very interesting to see though, just with multiple cars on the track, not a short track. Yeah, um, like I said, there wasn't really much to add on to that. It was just a single-car video at Bristol. That is it with the news uh, segment. Let's move forward to the first time to In the Mirrors, where we talk about the previous race. In this case, it's Michigan. Um, so, yeah, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Um, Michigan, obviously, you don't know what, to, what you didn't know what to expect this, uh, this time around with them putting... Uh, I believe they put the PJ1 down last year. Yeah, they Probably. did. And the resin on Sunday was so much better. Yes, well, because the, the resin, obviously, is just trying to keep the rubber on the track. It's not trying to keep, you know, trying to keep the line gripped up. It's just trying to keep the track rubbered up, which I believe, because they used it at Nashville. And personally, I thought Nashville was a good race. It's just, uh, just being seen. Ross Chastain coming through in the la- those last 15 laps or so, trying to catch Larson, uh, running the high line, which obviously where they, it's where they put the resin at Sunday. At Michigan, it was obviously in the top two or three lines. Uh, so obviously, some more cars, because usually at Michigan, they run not the bottom lane, but one lane up. So, I mean, it was just a lot different. So, it kind of looked kind of look like a 2010-ish, 2011 race at Michigan, which, you know, everybody loved to see. Um, yeah, it was a pretty strategic race. Uh, you had teammates helping each other. You had no, you had non-teammates helping each other. You had, you know, Austin Dillon almost wrecking or almost flipping on the front stretch, which is pretty crazy in itself. But they're getting six at the start finish line. Um, which a lot of people are blaming Brad Keselowski for that. Um, if you are like be real. Brad Keselowski is not that kind of driver. He's not going to just hook someone on the straightaway at Michigan on purpose. And when they played his audio on NBC, SN, uh, you could tell he didn't mean to do it. Yeah, like, he just sounded like so upset with himself. He was just, I don't really know why he was side drafting at that point, but and Brad and Austin came up, but Austin didn't think Brad would be yeah. there. It was just a racing incident. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, Austin tried killing himself on purpose, and Brad didn't try hooking him. Like It was just an unfortunate circumstance. Yeah, I don't know if if Austin hit a bump and it pushed his car off, or if Austin just turned, you know, hooked a slight right, trying to go up the, go back up the track, figuring he he would expect he would either clear Brad or try to uh, 
I figured he would just go right back up the track after the start finish line. Obviously, neither of those happened. Um, we had the video of Austin hitting the wall in the end car like, was pretty crazy. Like, obviously, you, sh- you shouldn't see a driver's head move more than two or three inches with the Haas device, but obviously Austin hit, hitting the wall probably about, what, 195 miles an hour head on. Yeah. It's, like, it shot him forward. And then whenever he sat back into the seat, he was uh, he was probably about good three or four inches higher than what he was sitting on whenever he was uh, driving. So it was pretty crazy to see the in-car camera. Um, obviously, you don't wish to see anybody get hurt or have that happen again. So I wouldn't be surprised if NASCAR, you know, looked at his because uh, obviously because he doesn't he doesn't wear the just over the neck. Also, I see he wears the one over his chest. So I don't know if that had an effect with it. Uh, I'm sure NASCAR will be looking at that to see what can be changed and that cause that again. Because uh, obviously, you know. Especially heading into Daytona, I'm sure they don't feel happy about that. Yeah, especially with, you know, a couple more miles an hour, he could have been, he could have hit his helmet on the steering wheel, which obviously you do not want. Because that's happened too many times in the sport where drivers have, you know, either had their seatbelts break or not worn a house device and just shot their neck forward but yeah I don't know yeah, it's honestly it a shame for Austin looked like he had the yeah, only was... car that could challenge the Hendrick boys and yeah it was, he like, was he so was... fast they had a tandem to get away from him and even then yeah. he was still keeping up yeah it's like it's like you know you had Larson on the radio telling his to let Byron know that he wasn't going to pass him just to try to get away from Austin obviously you had Austin just Hanging on to the to the five parts draft, and he just would not go away until he inevitably burned up his right front, and that's what put him in the situation back to the bread. Yeah, and he just once you just saw that happen, you just saw him just drop like a rock, and then you know, then that happened. Um, going on from that, then he had green flag pit stops, which uh, once everything went down with that, uh, Denny Hamlin tried staying out a little bit later, and then he pitted, and finally, then. Uh, Wayne Byron and Kyle Larson got past him. Yeah, and uh, then he took two tires alongside uh, Kyle Busch and Christopher Bell. And it yeah, almost worked. Yeah, yeah almost worked. Because uh, obviously when he came out of the pits, he said, it's, you know, bleeping go time. Or it's bleeping, bleeping on now. That was the Yes. Yeah, everyone did four tires. Stage three, didn't they? Yes, I believe that. Yes, yeah. everybody did four tires stage three. But I got you know, stage two and stage three mixed up there. My bad. Yeah. But um, then they had that uh, the caution for the rain. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? Was it to bunch everyone up, or were they just kind of leery from New Hampshire? I believe a little bit of both. You know, obviously you want entertainment, whether it be manufacturer entertainment or just you know entertainment from the from the drop of the green flag. Um, you know, obviously, with New Hampshire happening, they just wanted to be so safe and did not want that to happen. Um, and they again, also couldn't pass up the chance to have a restart late in the race. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't blame them, but, you know. Because obviously you had the guy, I'm going to say the winner was in fourth or fifth in that moment. It's obviously, you know, with without that, you have probably have the 24 car or the 5 car winning the race I don't believe I see any way that the 5 car could get around them 
Like yeah, the one and the eleven couldn't get close enough to work together. Yeah. But uh, let's fast forward to the ending, the finish of the race. I know you're dying to talk about it as a Blaney fan. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, this is probably the best the Choose Cone has looked in the year it's been around. Yeah, I mean, the Choose Cone, was, I mean, obviously with it being one year to the weekend, that the Choose Cone made its, or made its points paying race debut. Um, it looked great. Uh, obviously, you had the Bristol and the All-Star race last year, which Troy Chase Haley won, but... I mean, obviously, that's just also race. But then you had, I mean, everybody wanted to be on the top because once you got that that run on the top, you just freight train around everybody in the bottom. And it's kind of but, fitting. The only time the bottom really worked all weekend was the final restart of the cup race. Yeah, it's like, well, uh, Kyle got a big run on Ryan and pushed Ryan to the front. And then going into turn one, Byron had all the momentum in the world. And then all of a sudden, he just decided to move up right across Hamlin and just shot straight up to straight up the top of the turn one instead of being able to arc it down and keep that run going. So it obviously just slowed him Ryan got up in front of him and then obviously one of the cons about this 550 package is that you just once you become the leader you got all that clean air but now that you get the clean air if that car gets to run behind you you get that beach ball effect you'll get pushed further away too. Uh, no matter how much that second-place car third-place car gets sucked in, that car always gets pushed away. Um, so, obviously, once Ryan got the lead, you know, I figured if he just took the second-place cars away, cars line away, you wouldn't be able to get that dirt, that clean air onto their nose, and so they would just keep pushing the track and not be able to keep that momentum. Uh, obviously, you saw that where the last couple laps he kept running the second, him in the second place car always ran the top side of one and two and third and the fifth, I want to say, maybe third to sixth, would run the bottom. And so then the second place car also tried to run down. And then once I got the run, it just pushed Ryan back off into the, to the front even more. Yeah. yeah, I want to talk about Maddie D real quick, man. I really thought he was going to possibly stir something up, but he refused to work with the guys in front of him. He kept trying to pass Denny for fifth. They eventually made contact in the final lap. Uh, Chase Briscoe was up there at the end, and then Kurt Busch, like, that was a Cut break check or something. It was crazy. Wait, I think uh, he got, I think he got loose in the turn, on coming out of two, and then just watched the track, and then just as soon as he had a hole, he got right in front of him. And Chase Briscoe, I don't believe, was obviously expecting that. Otherwise, he would have tried to. Either it was too late for him to turn, and he was just committed to the top, or you felt like once if he tried to move down, he would just hit him right in the, hit him right in the back and just. Just looking around like Chris Bell did in Daytona. I forget who it was. It got spun. I think it was Bowman. But uh, yeah, it's what. I'm, and then all of a sudden, then I get to looking at the results, and all of a sudden I see Chase Briscoe got was down in uh, P11. P11, which is crazy because yeah, obviously he was a lot of spots. More than, more than fifth, but uh, I believe Matty, uh, Matthew Benedetto pushing him pushing him off into turn three and. Pushing Hamlin up in front of Briscoe also cost Briscoe a ton of momentum, and so that just cost him the whole his his top ten finishing position at Michigan. And then one last thing before we go to the next segment: Austin Dillon gained a ton of stage points on Tyler Reddick, and then he wrecks. Tyler Reddick fans can breathe a sigh of relief. And none of it seems to matter because Tyler Reddick himself throws it away, throws all the points away at the end. And now they're separated by essentially what 
the same amount they were coming in. So Tyler Reddick could not capitalize on Austin's, Austin Dillon's uh, misfortunes. And honestly, we'll get into this a little later, but I don't like Tyler Reddick's um, chances of making the playoffs. I really don't. I mean, obviously, he, you got, you know, he can, or he can finish 11th in both stages, and Austin Dillon can win both stages, and all of a sudden there's 20 points he's gained on you. Now you're just sitting five positions between being in and being out. Tyler Reddick has never really been a great plate racer since coming to Cup. He's way too aggressive. We saw that last year in the regular season finale at Daytona. He tried blocking Kyle Busch and just waited too late and put himself in the wall. Um, Then I think he'll have points on his mind. And every time he sees a three car, anytime he sees someone new leading, he's going to go into hyperdrive and just, I I see the eight wrecking himself. Yeah, I could see that too. Uh, Unless he just sees that three car and just tries to stick with him. If you just stick with that three car the entire race, you know, He's not going to gain that many points on you. Uh, if you just stick right to his rear bumper, he's probably going to gain, what, one point of stage or something like that. Um, so, I mean, it, it could be either a 20-point swing going into the final the third stage, or it could be, uh, you know, could be the ties, or Tyler's gaining points on him. So, I mean, it could be either or. It's just it's hard, obviously, hard to tell with – type of racing in Daytona. With that, let's move into the Out the Windshield segment where we look forward to the upcoming race this weekend at Daytona. Let's kind of stay in the same conversation we're in now, though, because while we did talk about how Tyler Reddick has to stick with Austin Dillon, he also has to worry about other guys. If someone like an Eric Jones is leading, Tyler Reddick is not safe. Uh, points can only get you so far whenever you're on the bubble. Uh, at Daytona, a pretty good chance of rain, so there's a very good chance we're only racing the halfway, which is only going to up the intensity. Um, stage points really only matter for like Austin Dillon or the guys inside the top 10 that are close that want the playoff points for uh, being top 10 in points. I don't know what you else want to call it. What are you expecting to see at Daytona? Lots of mayhem like we saw last year. Uh, obviously, I believe... Everybody wants that Fourth of July weekend at Daytona, but the regular season finale at Daytona, NASCAR hit it out of the park on a Grand Slam on this one. It's so good. It's dude, that racing is just so crazy. Well, obviously, the thing about this weekend that you're going to see compared to the other, the last two week, the last two sure shoot you play well, tell Daytona type races. Well, I believe that they cut the horsepower back right from. Uh, Joe Logano making his comments about that. Yeah, at, at Talladega, I believe. Yeah, I believe they, I believe they cut back just a little bit on the horsepower, so it's obviously going to be as fast. I don't know what, what other changes they made it to it. Um, so it could be a very interesting first fifteen laps or so, or whatever the competition cost would be. Um, be very, very interesting to see. Honestly, all I can say is expect the unexpected this weekend. I, the weather's going to be um, unpredictable. The only thing predictable is going to be the front row, which I believe is William Byron and Kyle Larson. Uh, yeah. But even then, it's not unheard of for Hendrick to fail inspection, so even that's unpredictable. Yeah. Uh, there's really not a lot to say. I think we're going to do a pre-race podcast later on in the week where we really go deep into Daytona. Um so unless you have anything else to add, we can use go to our final segment. Let's go to the finals. 
All right, this is going to be something that we don't have a name for, but we're looking at the drivers that are not in the playoffs. So Tyler Reddick all the way down to Anthony Alfredo. And it's would bet money, wouldn't bet money, would be surprised, and would be surprised. And we took all those drivers and put them in those three categories. And yeah, we're going to do this every week moving forward. It's basically who we see winning the race. So would you bet money on them winning the race? Uh, Next week moving forward, it'll be playoff drivers, etc. So uh, let me hear your first would bet money. We'll go one at a time. All right. My first would bet money on would obviously be Austin Dillon. Because obviously he's had... He's been leading a lot at the restricted play tracks. Uh, not a lot, a lot, but he's been up front in the top five or six a lot. Uh, he won the he won the duel at Daytona earlier in the year. Um, I want to say he finished he finished third in the Daytona 500. Obviously, he's quite consistent with that. Um, and then he's won a Xfinity race, a couple of Xfinity races that. Daytona before. It's also he knows how to get it done. Just obviously not in the Cup Series. Well, no, he won Daytona 500. 500. Never mind. I like it. Um, Forgot about that. A lot happens in three years. But obviously, you know, the three-car Daytona, you just, you cannot You don't bet against Bet them out. Yeah, you cannot bet against them at all. Well, I say you can't bet against them, but I am. And I'll get into my reasoning why in a little bit. Uh, My first would bet money on is Matt DiBenedetto. A uh, couple of reasons. Led the most laps in the Daytona 500 last year. Uh, I know it's not Daytona, but he should have multiple Talladega wins. Last fall, earlier this year, like he's just he's turned into quite a little play racer. Um, and if any non-playoff driver is going to win the race, I think it's Matt Benedetto. Who's your second? Yeah. Unless you have something Matthew, to add on that. Matthew Benedetto. Um, All right. That's my second guy. Uh, obviously, you know, he should should have won Talladega last year. Um, obviously... There was a lot going on in that final lap. Obviously, you got, you know, Denny. I'm not going to get too deep into that one. Uh, yeah. Then you had William Byron blocking everybody. Then you had everybody just wrecking. There was a total chaos. Uh, he, Matt has actually, I believe it was 2019, he led the most laps in the Daytona 500. Uh, with the uh, Bob Levine car. Um, I mean, it just. Obviously, you know, with the other Penske drivers being so fast at Talladega Daytona, he's going to be up front. Like, obviously, you know, he almost he should have won. He almost won the spring race at Talladega. But obviously, you know, a couple he just he just needs to sharpen up his decisions because I mean he let Brad go by on the bottom and just blow right past him and nothing. He couldn't get back. To, he couldn't get any more help to get back to the front. But you know, I mean. Plus two, that Wood Brothers Mustang at Daytona. You can't bet against that either. <laughs> so yeah. Also, with the manufacturer games, all those Penske cars are going to be helping Maddie D as hard as possible. So moving on, my how many? We don't actually know each other's list. How many Wood Bet monies do you have? I have four. I, I have four as well. All right. Yeah. So my second one, uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I just. I don't know. He's either going to win or he's going to flip trying. That's all I got to say. Like, <laughs> yeah. how do you, I don't know. You can't really bet against him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just hard to tell with him sometimes. But we'll get, get on that later. Um, my third would bet money, surprisingly, is Bubba Wallace, actually. I'm going to be honest. My third one is two, so we can do a joint one here. Sweet. Look at us go. I mean, obviously, you know, let a 
bunch of laps in his duel. And uh, in the 500. And the 500. Just like, again, with Matthew Mendetta, he just needs to sharpen up his decisions. <clears throat> Overly aggressive at the wrong moments. Yeah, and then obviously, you know, not sticking with his teammates. Obviously, your teammates are your biggest sources of help at these tough tracks. Um, so just dumping them off just to go block another line is not going to help you win a race at all. Um, obviously, he finished second in 2018 at the Daytona 500. Uh, finished, I want to say he finished top five a couple years ago at a Daytona. I can't remember which one, but he finished, he did finish pretty good I there. I want to say he has a fourth at Donning. That That's probably wrong. I would believe it. Uh, he should. He almost won the Coke Zero Four Hundred last year, uh, so yeah, he got, got put, put in, two to go. Put put in the wall. Uh, so obviously he's proven he can race at these type tracks. You know, be not just a, a rider, but you know, be up front leading. And around. he's not going to be the guy that wants to wait in line. If, he's yeah. a lot like Denny, where if the if everyone's riding the train up top, he'll be trying to get the inside going. He, Denny, and Chase are going to be the ones that we probably see doing that on Saturday night. Yeah, you saw Dini trying to do that in the 500. He just kept getting shuffled back until until the last two laps. So, so uh, who's your fourth one? My fourth would bet money on is Tyler Reddick. Interesting. Yeah, Tyler's just very aggressive when it comes to these tracks. Obviously, you know, he could run the high line too, which obviously, obviously that's not a gigantic skill like it is at Homestead or any other track where you got to run, run the high line to be be able to keep momentum up because obviously you're holding the gas to the map all at all times. Um, but once again, you know, like he, he could show he can lead laps at Daytona. I don't, know, I don't know how many led last year until he wrecked. But I mean, obviously, you know, I think the eight car and the three car too are starting to peak. Uh, in RC, well, for RCR terms, you know, their peaking is. Not the greatest, but it's just good enough to get into the chase. Um, or I'm sorry, the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, obviously, I mean, yeah, I, I, could, I could see that happening. So basically, you'd put money on both RCR cars, Maddie D and Bubba. Yes. All right. So I'm almost in the same boat. Not putting money on Reddick, but I am putting on another RCR affiliated car. Eric Jones, he won this race kind of in 2018. He won the July Daytona race. Um, he won the clash last year. Um, yeah, I, I, he hasn't had the most luck in the plate races this year. He wrecked in at Daytona in the 500, and then he finished like 27th at Talladega. But Eric Jones has won Talladega. He's won Daytona twice before. He's been at Victory Lane twice before, and I just see it happening again. Uh, not a lot to say there. It's, let's move on to the wooden bet, but wouldn't be surprised. How many of these do you have? I have three, and we've already covered two of them. So, All right, well, I have six. So I'll do two at one, like two at a time, and you can do yep. one at a time. So we yep. get it. So uh, who's your first one? All right, my first one would be Stenhouse, actually. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously, you know, he's just too—he's too aggressive and too inconsistent for me to be able to put money on. But also, once again, won't be surprised to see him win because you know, I mean, obviously, he's just, he's just so aggressive, causes a bunch of wrecks. Uh, obviously, you know the most famous one being him getting into Kyle Busch at, in the Daytona July race and wrecking everybody out. 
2018, yes. Uh, you know, obviously, in his first mess or in his first Cup Series start, not in his first, in his second start at Daytona 500 in 2012, he caused a big wreck. So, I mean, it's just, it's like either he's going to be wrecking, like you said, or he's going to be winning. Yeah, flipper win motorsports. <laughs> win about 88 Yeah. Uh, is that all for Stenhouse? Oh, uh, yes. All right, so I'm going to do two at one right here. Now, this isn't the order I have him in, but it makes more sense to do it this way. So, I wouldn't bet money, but I would not be surprised if Roush as a whole win the race, whether it's Busher or Newman. Now, Busher, um, he finishes top five in play races all the time, but I feel like no one ever talks about it. Like, I don't have the numbers offhand, but I feel like he had a top five streak going. I don't know if he still does. Yeah. Um, and Ryan Newman, man. Other than almost dying in the Daytona 500 in 2020, he was leading off turn four. He's finished second to Ryan Blaney, what, twice now in photo finishes at Talladega. Yes. Uh, he's a past Daytona 500 winner. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Newman wins. I'm not, I wouldn't put money on it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't either. I mean, he's, of course, him and Denny have <clears throat> always seemed to find each other right at the end of the race. You know, also with being. 2019 Talladega. Uh, obviously, they, they go back to the when the two car tandem started to get popular because you know you had them two. The 2011 Daytona 500, they wrecked each other. Yeah, then you had I the well, well it started then. Well, started in the clash or in the but shootout at the time. Remember, that's when Danny went below the line. Yeah, that's when they claimed Kurt, Kurt Busch to win her. So also, you know, they have a lot of chemistry together. That's so, crazy. Actually, I've never really noticed that. Denny and Newman are like the old like uh, Stewart and Junior. Yeah, like they always just see, like seem to find each other right at the right at the right time. Like they, like no matter you can put one of them in the back, put one of them at the front, they will end up just getting right with each other. I feel like if you're gonna have anyone push you at Daytona. It's probably not the worst thing to have Denny doing it. Yeah, but uh, who's your second? Wouldn't bet. Wouldn't be surprised. Chase Briscoe, actually, it's kind of crazy to hear. Um. I don't find it that crazy. Yeah, uh, hang on, pull it up. Because I believe, you know, he was involved in the wrecking the 500, I believe. Who wasn't? Yeah, that is true. Finished, uh, I believe it was three laps down. Uh, but once again, like I said, you know, you got to pick at the right time. Like if you have that confidence, obviously, you know, he had that top. He's been top, there at the end the last two races. Yeah, he's been there almost top five at Indy. All right, I'm sorry, yeah. Oh, you almost won at Indianapolis. He almost got a top five at Michigan. So obviously, you know, you, he still has that confidence no matter where he finishes. So if you have that confidence, you can do anything and everything. But you know, you just gotta be able to translate that confidence into a end result. And he hasn't been able to do that the last two weeks. Let's <clears throat> say you gotta lose a couple of races before you win one. Yeah. And he's figured out how to lose them. Whether it be run wide or get cut off and punch a hole in the hole in the nose. So, all right. So my next wouldn't bet, wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Daniel Suarez and Ryan Priest. I feel like the JTG cars are always there at the end. And I already said I'd put money on Stenhouse. I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Priest wins. I feel like he's typically near the front at the end of these races. Um, the Daniel Suarez is stupid fast on plate races, but he just never is there on the last lap. He's always wrecked. I think yeah. if he can keep all four corners of the car clean, I mean, at Daytona, you don't really need to. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins. Uh, but 
him being in a must win, I don't I don't like his chances. Yeah. But uh, let's move on fast. Uh, who's your final wouldn't bet wouldn't be surprised? Eric Jones. Um, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, sweet. Uh, I'll tell you, he has. You should have won multiple. He should have won Talladega. Whenever you know, him, it was him and Blaney coming down to the checker flag. Uh, obviously, he's won Daytona, uh, won a points race, won a non-points race. So obviously, you're, you're going to see him being consistent. I don't know how he's going to fare without that Toyota Alliance, because um, they were always loyal to each other, no matter who punched two in the nose they were going to help each other no matter what so I mean, I'll say no he doesn't have that Toyota Alliance but you know well adding on to that whole not having help thing if you remember the what was it July Talladega race last year because of COVID he was trying to pass Blaney coming to the line yeah got destroyed and he really had no yeah. help there so he could do yeah. it on his own if he needs to yeah I mean yeah. plus two with you know the two car tandem having a big old hole duct tape into the nose he still was inc- incredibly fast, but you know it was just one of those things where sometimes it's hit, sometimes it's miss. Sometimes you hit the best, sometimes you the ball. So I mean, a lot of times he's a bat, a lot of times he's a ball. You just gotta be able to figure out. A lot of times he's the ball. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Uh, but a lot of times you can be the ball and the bat. You know, it just depends. Like obviously in the clash race, um, you just gotta be able to find. You know, if there's any other single car teams that don't have any alliances that are quick and can try to help you uh, or you can try to latch onto the RCR group which obviously you know they're affiliated with RCR uh, you know he also has Kaz Grala running in the uh, race on, uh, Saturday night <clears throat> another RCR alliance team um, so that could be well everything you're saying though also goes out towards Austin Reddick Suarez yeah. a lot of guys in must win situations yeah but uh, moving on to my final two. I'm going to do these one at a time because I have very different things to say about it. Uh, but I'm going to make both pretty quick. So the first one is Cole Custer. I really don't think he's going to win. But if you think back to random winners at Daytona, Cole Custer feels like someone that would just randomly win a Daytona race. I, I just, I, I can see it. Um, he's not like a super consistent or solid plate racer. But I could just, I just see it happening. I don't know, he finished 11th in the 500, and he finished 10th in the spring Talladega race. So, I mean, oh, maybe he does have some quote, quote, quote unquote, consistent. Yeah, yeah. You're in about nine more races, he'll have a win on his belt. Exactly. <laughs> uh, baby steps. Yeah. But uh, I could just, he just feels like a random Daytona winner. Uh, the second one, now I almost had him in my would bet money. It's Austin Dillon. The reason I don't is because I don't think Austin needs to win. We said this way earlier in the podcast. I said I'd come back to it. I don't really think Austin Dillon's going to be full focused on the win unless he just doesn't get a lot of stage points or Tyler Reddick does. If Austin Dillon gets like 17 stage points while Reddick gets like three, that's a 14-point gain. He only needs to outscore him by like, what, 12 points at that point to pass him? Yeah. Or if Reddick gets wrecked in stage one, I think Austin's going to be point raising more than trying to go for the win. So if he's running third, he'll just stay in line. He doesn't need to go for the win. Yeah. Unless someone's leading that isn't a must win. So for yeah. that, I um, I wouldn't bet on Austin, but I wouldn't be surprised if he won. Yeah. Now, once again, these are non-playoff drivers. We are yeah, not, completely non-playoff drivers. Yeah, non-playoff driver. We are not. Obviously, you know, somebody say, you know, why, why wouldn't you say Eric Camarola or something? Because obviously, he's, he's already won, so he's in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think so. we'd all put money on, like, Denny Hamlin or Ryan Kozlowski. Yeah. 
Yeah, or those Hendrick cars. Yeah. Hopefully, so, they, got the, hopefully they got the the fast nose on this week. Oh boy! All right, <laughs> how many uh, would be surprised do you have? Uh, literally everybody else. How many is that? Wait, did you say would be surprised? Yeah, would, would be surprised. Would, would be surprised? Yeah, everybody else. Um, everyone, the rest of the field. I, mean, I just can't I see. Four. Well, I mean, I just can't see nobody else being that has popped out at popped out at me that has just been like, oh, maybe you know they might be able to win the race. Um, Do you have any notable ones that you'd like to talk about? No, I literally wrote down everyone else. <laughs> all right, well, I have four because I, I I followed the instructions, and I have a reason for all four of these. So you could just jump in if you like. So my yeah. first one is Tyler Reddick. Easy answer. He's never there at the end. You would put money on him. I wouldn't for the simple fact. Tyler Reddick is so hit or miss, but mostly miss when it comes to plate races. And I think he's going to be in his fields about other people leading or getting stage points. I don't see him making it past stage two. I, I see him on the tow truck. Uh, so yeah. I would be very surprised if Tyler Reddick wins. Mostly because he doesn't need to. Yeah. All he needs to do is just point, point race pretty much. Other than, I mean, other than him getting a seventh place finish at, I mean, him and Austin finished seventh and eighth at Tyler Reddick, also is a different track. Um, I mean, it just, once again, hit or miss. Uh, and my next one is Ross Chastain. And for the exact same reason as Tyler yes. Reddick, I don't see him finishing the race. We saw what happened yeah. in the 2020 Daytona 500. Last year in the July or the August Daytona race in Xfinity, he wrecked his teammate on the last lap, yeah. going for the win. I just, Ross Chastain, I would be surprised if he finished the race, let alone wins. Yeah. Um. Oh, do you have something to say? No. no. Okay. Uh, I have two more. I'm going to put them together. Chase Briscoe and Anthony Alfredo. Just don't see it. I just... Anthony yeah. Alfredo, I'll be surprised if he's... I'll, yeah, I'll be surprised if he's not, not in the wall by turn two. Yeah, and Chase Briscoe, I think he'll... Um, I think he'll be there in the last ten laps. I think he'll either throw a block that gets himself spun, or I think he'll just get caught up in the big one. Yeah. So, um, unless you have anything else to say, anything specific... I think it's a good time to end our first episode of the Mirror Driving Podcast. Yeah, I believe so. It's been a great, great pleasure. I've always wanted to do a podcast for the longest time. And then now here we are. It just feels so good. I'm proud to do this every night. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we don't have a schedule laid out. Uh, We definitely plan to have another episode up before the Daytona race where we actually go deeper involved into it. Um, And maybe we'll have more news by then where we can, like, we don't really know the full-on entry list right now. So, with that, I was Brayson. You're Evan. Thank you guys so much for watching. Hope you guys enjoyed. And as always, we'll see you guys next time.